You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Person drove into a, it's in a Jewish neighborhood. He drives into a cul-de-sac. He's waiting to pick somebody up. While he's waiting to pick somebody up, there's a couple of boys, let's say 10 years old, nine years old, who are playing catch. They see the driver because they talk to him for a couple of, uh, for, uh, for a little bit. And then they go back to playing catch. And as they're playing catch, so one guy throws the ball to the other guy. The, I don't know if the, the thrower threw too far or the catcher missed it, but whatever happened, the ball hits the driver's windshield and it breaks. So the question is, what's going to be the story? Is there going to be liability? Does this child have to pay for breaking somebody else's windshield? Does he not have to pay for uh, breaking the windshield? What exactly is going to be the halacha? What, what, is, what, what is the expectation that halacha has in such a case? Okay, so that is our, our, our question. And as we're going to see, there's some very interesting facets to this question in some, uh, what I think, very interesting discussion in the postgame about the... Uh, the liability of a child, whether yes or no, and then even when yes, what exactly is the function of that uh, of that liability? And uh, very much our American way of thinking is to say, well, listen, the children certainly can't pay; they can't afford it. Maybe 21st century, maybe as we were kids, we would have had to pay. But 21st century is the parents will go right ahead and they'll pay for the damage done on behalf of the kids that was that was inflicted by their their children and the question is whether or not that is the correct approach is that the way it should be handled should not be handled so we're going to see all of uh all of this okay so the discussion begins with a mishnah in babakama relatively famous mishnah when uh, discussing this idea but this is what you have over there should be on the screen in front of you source number one so it says, I'm sorry for the Rashi Tevos, for the acronym, but it says, Cheresh Shota Vekatan. So Cheresh is deaf mute. Shota is a person who's insane. The main thing for us is Katan. So a child, so interacting with a child, Pigiasan Ra. So uh, we're going to translate that as bad news. So any sort of damages <coughs> that, that's going to involve a child in some way is bad news. Why? Because Hachova Behen Chayev. If somebody goes ahead and injures a child, so what, or the child's property, so you, the adult who injures the, the child's property is chayev, has to pay. When a child goes ahead and damages somebody else's property, the child is exempt. So here we have seemingly a, 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 an explicit mission which says the child is exempt. Then, so we use a similar phrase that if a slave or a married woman, go ahead and uh, if you uh, have a, uh, um, a, a nizikin, a damage of property interaction with a woman or a slave, also it's bad news. Why? So if somebody else goes ahead and injures the slave or the married woman, so you have to pay for the injury. But if a slave, and this is even a Jewish slave, but it's a, a non-Jewish slave, I should say, a non-Jewish slave, or a married woman goes ahead and punches somebody else in the nose and breaks their nose, they're exempt. But the slave or the married woman, they may have to pay at some point in the future. And the way Rashi explains is that the married woman or the slave, they don't have any possessions of their own. They have no assets. So they can't pay. On a practical level, they can't pay. But when it comes to if some point in the future they do get themselves on their own feet, 
the woman is either divorced or she's widowed. So she, she now owns her, she has her own assets or the slave, the non-Jewish slave is, let, is set free and now is capable of acquiring possessions. So they are going to ultimately be responsible to pay for the damage which they, uh, which they inflicted. So now Mephorshim point out that it, there's an interesting discrepancy between these two lines because we have two sets of people. We have on the one hand, we have the child and then you have the married woman or the slave. In both of them, at the outset, it sounds the same. If you injure them, you have to pay. If they injure you, they don't have to pay. But when it comes to some point in the future, so only with regards to the slave or the married woman do we say in the future, if they get money, so they will have to pay. And the Mishnah did not say that about the child, that when the child grows older, that the child is then going to have to pay. That the damaged party will then approach the uh, the. Uh, uh, the boy on the day of his bar mitzvah, when everybody else is uh, is giving presents, is writing checks to the bar mitzvah boy, this fellow with his broken windshield is going to come to the bar mitzvah boy and say, okay, I'll take some of these checks to now cover the cost of the windshield, which you went ahead and broke for me. So everybody else is giving, and this fellow is going to go ahead and be taking checks from the, uh, from the child. So since the Mishnah doesn't say that, so can we assume that even when the child becomes an adult, he still does not have to pay? Or would we say that the exemption of the child is only as long as, he's, as long as he remains a child, but as soon as he becomes an adult, so now he's going to have to pay for the damages which he, which he caused. So this is something which is addressed by many of the Rishonim. And so the first one we'll look at over here is, sorry, the Rambam. So the Rambam says, he's very clear. He says, So having these Nazikan relationships, damaging relationships with a child, so that's bad news. Because if you go ahead and inflict an injury to the child personally or the child's stuff, you have to pay. But when the child goes ahead and causes damage, so he's exempt. Then the Rambam says, and this is the key part, even if the cherish, the deaf mute, regains his senses, he gets his hearing and his speech ability back. The person who is insane regains his sanity. That's the main one for us. The child now becomes an adult at the child's bar mitzvah. So, so even though every one of these is now in a position where they can pay, they're not going to be responsible to pay even then. Why? Because at the time that they went ahead and they inflicted the damage, so at the time when it initially took place, so they were exempt. And they, since at that time that they were exempt, you're not, they did, because they didn't have the necessary das, they didn't have the necessary, uh, uh, um, I don't want to say intellect, but the necessary, the necessary brain power to go ahead and to be held responsible. So you can't, then, even though later on they gain that brain power, that, that uh, subsequent uh, acquisition of das is not going to be enough to work retroactive to make them have to pay for the damage which they caused when they were a child. So the Rambam is clear. Child damages property, child breaks your windshield, so the child presently is exempt because he's a child, he doesn't have das, and even when he's an adult, so we can't go backwards in time and say, well, since not, even though you now have das, uh, or, uh, sorry, since you now have das, you should go back and pay, because whether or not you're obligated to pay revolves around whether you had das at the time of the uh, hezek, at the time of the damage. 
And since the child did not have the necessary das at the time that he broke the windshield, he is exempt. Okay, very good. Um, and now the rush, so he, he, he maintains the same position and he goes ahead and he explains a little bit further. He says, um, we're just gonna read the second half of what he writes. So the rush writes that if the woman becomes divorced, the married woman who went ahead and punched somebody in the nose, maybe that's why she's divorced now, or the slave went ahead and was set free, the Jewish slave was set free, so they are going to have to pay now that they have the means to be able to pay. So the Rush explains that the exemption, we're just going to say for simplicity, the exemption that a married woman has to not have to pay for punching somebody in the nose is not the same rationale as why a child is going to be exempt for punching an adult in the nose and breaking it. Why? Because when it comes to the child, he's not punishable at all. He's too young to be, uh, to be held accountable for anything. There's no onesh, which is ever going to be assigned to a katan. So since at the time of the damage, he was a katan, so he gets a free pass. But the exemption that a married woman has from paying for punching somebody in the nose is the is only due to a technicality that she may not have any assets, so she cannot pay. But it's not that she's putter from paying, she just can't. So the child, the Russia is saying the child is essentially, he is exempt from having to pay it altogether. There's not even a liability to pay. The child, let's say it that way. The child has no liability to pay. The woman or the slave, they do have liability to pay. They just can't because they don't have the means. And that's the way the rush differentiates between a child and an adult. And he's very clear that even as an adult, the child is not going to uh, is not going to have to pay. Yeah, um, you, you specified a child punched an adult in the nose. Does it make any difference if the child punched another child in the nose? I, I would think it's the same thing. S- same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Okay, just because we say we talk about us to them and them to us, so that's why I put it the, in those terms. Now, this is not a universally held opinion. Not that we're necessarily going to possibly this way, but it's important to know that such an opinion is out there. In source four, the Hagosashri, he's quoting from the Orzarua. Orzarua is one of the Rishonim. And he says this part, he goes ahead and he, he brings a number of proofs from it in the Achronim discuss whether the proofs are compelling or not. But that's too much lumbus for us for, uh, for the purpose of the Shir. But it is important to know that the Orzarua is of the opinion. He says that the Mishnah statement that uh, that dealing with children is 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 uh, is uh, bad news. That's only the, the exemption that a child has from paying for damages is only while he is yet a child. But the Orzarua is of the opinion. He maintains that once a child is bar mitzvah, he's going to have to take his bar mitzvah money, and it's at that point that he's going to have to pay for the broken windshield. So now. We have this machlokas. So you have the Rush and the Rambam. There's other p- uh, players over here. But you have the Rush and the Rambam who say the child is exempt. You have the Or Zerur who says the child is Chayev. So now we have to go from the time of the Rishonim. Now we have to go, in a sense, to the time of the post. We have to go to Shochanach. And let's see how Shochanach goes at and codifies this Allah. So he says, source number five, it appears in a number of places in Choshemish, but we'll just grab one. It says, Achova Becherishot Vekatan Chayev. If one goes ahead and inflicts damage on a child, so you are chayav. 
But if a child, and those other two people also, the Cherish and the Shota, but if a child goes ahead and, and, and damages others, so the child is going to be exempt. Even if the Cherish, the deaf mute, regains his, uh, his faculties, and the Shota regains his sanity, and the child becomes an adult, they don't have to pay. Why? Just like the Rambam, it's, it's essentially a quote from the Rambam. Because at the time that they did the damage, that they, they were mazik in the first place, so they did not have the necessary das to be held accountable, to be held liable. And you can't kick in liability at some point in the future. Either liability is created at the moment of hezek, and if it's not created at the moment of Hezek, you cannot go ahead and bring it online at some point in the future. So Shulchan Aruch is very clear. Shulchan Aruch Paskins, like the Rambam and the Rush, that the child is exempt for paying for the windshield, not only while he is a child, but whether even after his bar mitzvah, even after, I guess, his driver's license, even after he's married, with children, with grandchildren, he's got a house, he's got three houses, one in Florida, one in Eretz Yisrael, he's still going to be exempt for having to pay for that windshield. Okay. So it seems to be game over as far as this driver is concerned. We are going to give him the second most important rule of Chosh Mishpat. Too bad, so sad, and you're not going to be able to recover any money from this, uh, this child whatsoever. But it's not game over yet. Source six is, now this is not where you would expect it. That's where, why it throws everybody off. This is a Ramah in Hilchos Shabbos. So you wouldn't expect this to appear in Hilchos Shabbos. That's, the, that's essentially the wrong place for it to appear. But this simon that, the, that the, the, where the Ramah appears is a simon about whether you could ask a child to do malacha for you. So we're talking anyways about the topic of children sinning in doing things wrong. So in the context of that discussion, at the very end of the simon, there's only one sif, but at the end of that the sif, so the Ramah writes as follows. Katun shehike es aviv o avrashar aveus bekatsuso. You have a child who may have struck a parent or committed some other aveir while he was a child, he ate a double bacon cheeseburger. So here the Ramah says, you have to pay attention to his language. He says, even though the child does not need to do tshuva when he becomes an adult for the sins which he did while a child, nonetheless, let me highlight this for you. It's a good idea for the child to do something when he becomes an adult in an effort to obtain tshuva, as a, uh, sorry, as, a, as an expression, as an exercise of tshuva, of repentance, ula kapara, and to secure atonement. Afalpi, even though, even though, and this is what's unusual about it, even though the child committed this avera while he was still too young to be held accountable, to be liable for his sins, Nonetheless, the Ramah says that it's a good idea that he should do tshuva and he should, should secure for himself kapara. He should, do, he should accept upon himself something in an effort to do tshuva and kapara. And then in parentheses, I left this one here, piske mahari simen samach base. So piske mahari is what we know better as the tshuma sadesh. So if the Ramah is quoting the Truma Sadash, which the Ramah very often will, uh, will do, is quote the Truma Sadash. So we go ahead and say, hey, I've got a Truma Sadash downstairs. I could go ahead and I could look up that Truma Sadash and actually see what he says inside. So that's source step. Here we are, Truma Sadash. So he says as follows Truma Sadash is from the later uh, Rishonim, uh, very much Ashkenazi oriented. That's why you'll find it quoted in the Ramah 
and I'm not sure if the Beis Yosef or Shacharach ever uh, bases a psak on the Truma Sadeshen, but the Ramah very often does. So he writes as follows. Uh, he says, it would seem to me that when a child, even if he reaches age of Chinuch, as long as one is below Bar Mitzvah, there's no such thing as punishment. There's no such thing really as a low sase, which is applicable to a child. Now this is amazing. He says, now, going with physical maturity, he says, even if the child commits an Avera one hour before he becomes physically mature, let's put this in our terminology, on his way to his bar mitzvah, he stops off at Burger King to get a double bacon cheeseburger. So that night at Mariv is going to be his bar mitzvah. And on the way, he has a late or either a late lunch or an early dinner. And he goes ahead and he has a double bacon cheeseburger on his way to Shul to Davin Mariv for the Amr for the first time. Now that he's going to be bar mitzvah. He says, even then, the child is not bar onesh ve'azhara. Los says don't really apply, and there's certainly not going to be any punishment for it. Kiddemuchach, and he goes out and brings one proof, and then he points to another place in Yevamas, in Kufya Dawr. That's what you have over here. Very important sugyas over there in the, towards the end of Yevamas. So he says, nami muchach, that it's also evident from the Gemara, dafilu onesh kolduhu lekale. There's no punishment whatsoever for a child who commits an Avera. How do we see that from the Gemara? Mid'amar, because the Gemara makes a very famous statement, that If a child is eating nevela, you thought I was making up the double bacon cheeseburger because that's always my example. But here the Gemara says that if the child wants to go ahead and eat nevela, non-kosher meat, ein basin mitzvah has no responsibility to stop the child from doing that Avera. Basin could watch him bite into that, uh, that uh, double bacon cheeseburger, and they're under no obligation to say, hey, that's an Avera, you're not allowed to do so, you're not allowed to do so. No obligation whatsoever. And now, if there actually was, if it was a punishable act for the child to go ahead and eat this as a child, so Basin, so why wouldn't Basin be responsible to prevent the child from doing something which is going to make him subject to punishment. If it was a punishable act, certainly Basin should have to step in and stop him from doing something which is a punishable act. The very fact that we have this rule, cut an och on the velos, ain Basin with Tuvan must be that it's not Navevera and it's not punishable at all. Okay, now the true Sadeshin is bothered by another Chazal because. Is, uh, just to make things exciting, we have to have contradictory statements of Chazal, which we're going to need to reconcile. So here, so on the one end, we have the rule, that if a child wants to do an Avera, the uh, parents have a different obligation of Chinuch, but Basin has no obligation to stop the child from doing the Avera. But we have another passage which says that although the child may eat a double bacon cheeseburger, an adult isn't allowed to give a child a double bacon cheeseburger. Lisfule is to hand to him, be a dime with your hand. So you can't give a child something which is asr. 
So why can't I give him something? If the child is not punishable, it's not an Avera for the child. So it's much cheaper than the, you know, there's, it's one thing to get the, you know, school lunches. School lunches cost a fortune. If you have the school make it, if I could go ahead and I could send the child, the Grubhub will drop off a double bacon cheeseburger every day for lunch. It'll save me a fortune. It'll be, uh, you know, a quarter of the cost of school lunches in, in day schools. So if a, if a child is not, uh, is not subject to any punishment, it's not an Avera for the child, why can't I send the child in with uh, double bacon cheeseburgers every day? So seemingly that would imply that you're not allowed to let the child do an Avera. So he says, no. He says, really, I'm going to maintain that there's no Avera for the child. So why aren't you allowed to hand it to the child directly? Because if the child gets used to eating double bacon cheeseburgers every day, we're afraid that the child may continue to do so even after his bar mitzvah. So you don't want to develop that taste for, uh, you know, for lobster or for shrimp or something like that, which once they get a taste for it, it'll be difficult for them to stop. And we're afraid that once the child becomes an adult, he'll want to go ahead and continue to have that prohibited food. Yes, Mel. Can the father say to the child, you eat that double bacon cheeseburger, I get the Avera? I get what? The Avera comes mm-hmm. to me, the father. Um, um, so the, the issue of what the meaning of Baruch Shepatronimi Ansho Shalzeh, that the father says that his son's bar mitzvah, um, so that's a, a, a different discussion. That's an interesting one. We should probably do a shir on that at some point because there's a lot of interesting things related to that. Um, but technically not. Technically, that wouldn't be uh, traced back to the father. The chinuch uh, el- uh, elements, yes, but not really, uh, it, it wouldn't be the real Avera of eating a double bacon cheeseburger. It's just falling short on chinuch things. Now the Truma Sadeshin says, Amnam, now he acknowledges, so we had it from the Orzarua. The Truma Sadeshin quotes the Bahag, who also says that if a child causes damage, so he's going to have to pay when he's an adult. Okay. Now, here's the part which we are the, the main thing which we wanted. He says, although the other part was interesting, he says, He says, if you read carefully the Gemara in many places, it's a bad simon, it's a bad omen, if we could use that word, but it's a bad thing for the child to have been a, a, a stumbling block uh, for others or for himself. So even though it's not Navera and it's not a punishable thing, nonetheless, for the child to have done things which are bad, so that's, a bad, that, that's not a good thing for the child. And therefore, says the Truma Sadashan, Lekach Niratovushi Kabo is a Kapara. So since the child did do something bad, not punishable, not naveira, but nonetheless, it's still something which is bad, therefore the child should be makabel, should commit to do something as a form of kapara, as a form of, a, a, of atonement. I, I don't know, the word should seem strong. I mean, tovlo, yeah, it's a good idea for him to do it, but there still doesn't seem to be a requirement. Okay, good, you're, you're right, you're right. I, I will accept that tovlo is that it's a good thing, to, uh, to do something for kapara, not something which is, uh, it's certainly not obligatory, and it's not something even, which may even rise to the level of should, but it's a nice thing. It's a nice thing, right? And you're, you're, you're correct. I'm, I'm just looking back at the Ramah over here. The Ramah echoes that language of tovlo, right? That it's a good, it's a good thing to do. So it's not, it's not um, uh, obligatory. It's not should, but it's something which uh, uh, good. Too many rhymes. 
uh, obligatory should or good. So, but we're going to go with with good. Okay, very good. Now the Radvaz, who is one of the early Achronim, so he also addresses this uh, this question. He says, Shalta, you asked me. So if a child committed Averas as a child, so does he have to go ahead and do tshuva when he becomes an adult? So says the, and we're skipping around in the Radvaz, he says, Patuminadin. He says, first of all, you want to know, to Art's point again, he says, you want to know what the halach is? The halach is the child is exempt. He, the, the uh, Radvaz, the part which is the, uh, the ellipse over there, so that's where he quotes the Rambam and the Rush, and he maintains that that's halacha lemaisa, that even when the child becomes an adult, there's no obligation for the child to pay for the windshield which he broke as a child. Okay, so that as far as what you want to know what the halach is, that's halach, the child is exempt, as a child and even when he becomes an adult. Then the Radvaz says, however, not everything is about what's written strictly in Shulchan Aruch, there's also some uh, goods and goods. So he says, the Sefer Hasidim writes that the child should say vidui when he becomes an adult. Why? For what he did while he was a child. So it's not Navera, it's not punishable, there's no obligation whatsoever, but he should go ahead and he should be misvada, he should confess. Now, why is that so? Yeah, Ellen? Is this like a per incident thing, or when they turn turn bar mitzvah, they you say we do for all the stuff that you did? One, um, yeah, good. So yeah, so hold that thought for a minute. One second. Venira de Tayo, the Simanu Lakatan shows Avera Shasatam Marakid Ben Karano. I'm not sure where exactly he's drawing that uh, this uh, this imagery from or this idea from, but he says if a child is committing averas as a child, so it's a simon, it's a sign that the satan is dancing around between his horns. He's got a zhuk in his head, I think they may say in, uh, in Hebrew, but he's got something going on in his brain, and we want to go ahead and we want to loosen that, uh, that mindset, that sinful mindset, uh, and therefore it's a way of, uh, of the child sort of changing direction from the way he behaved as a child to the way he's now behaving as an adult, so we don't want him to continue those sinful ways. So go ahead and put a formal end to that, by uh, some sort of, uh, of tshuva, some sort of vidui, some sort of confession. In that way, that will change gears and that will change our direction. So what does this mean practically? So the Radvaz says, It's a good idea for this child who's now an adult, to subdue his heart and confess for what he did as a child. Why? So similar to what we saw before, to go ahead and to break the pattern or to break the routine or to break the habit. So by going ahead and confessing verbally for the fact that this is what I used to be doing as a child is actually an Avera and I regret it. So that's going to, uh, that's going to take him out of his regular routine. And that way we hope that the child won't continue those Averas uh, that, uh, that, he, that he may have been doing as a child. He won't continue to do them into his adult life. So for that, it may be that it's enough just to go ahead and have sort of like one confession for every category of sin. 
So he may not have to confess for every double bacon cheeseburger that he ate, but he does have to confess for eating double bacon cheeseburgers, breaking um, windshields, stealing his little sister's uh, gum, whatever you know he might he may have done. They're breaking his older siblings, <laughs> you know, whatever it is that he broke of his older siblings. So maybe one confession per uh, per avera, not per incident, but per avera. So that may be what's necessary to go ahead and to make sure that he doesn't continue those things into his adult his adult life. Okay, good. So that's what. So we have. So now we have both from the Chuma Sadashan and as well as the Radvaz, that even though they're saying that from a purely halachic perspective, the child is exempt both during his katus while still a child as well as an adult, but there's a nice idea to, uh, it's a good thing to go ahead and do some sort of tshuva or vidui as an adult to go ahead and to make sure that these behaviors don't continue. Okay, now you have, in source number nine, you have the Pisgah tshuva. This is Simon Shinmem test is actually the halachas of Geneva, Geneva or Gzela, I think it's Geneva, but it's the halachas of theft. So over there, the, and it, it, this goes back a really long time. This goes back to um, Goldilocks and the three bears. But over there, so we talked about, we actually mentioned this, uh, this source over there, this Shvus Yaakov. So Shvus Yaakov was, there was some family uh, reunion or something, and they, uh, they ran out of wine. So they send the child to go ahead and they give him a credit card. They send him to the store to purchase some wine. When he gets to the store, so nobody's there. So he goes in, drinks a bunch of wine. Once he drank a bunch of wine, he broke, broke a bunch of barrels. And there was all sorts of damage which was done. And the wine owner wanted the child to go ahead and pay. So does he have to pay? And he said, uh, we'll jump over here. The sorry, the wine owner heard about what the child did. And this wine owner, the wine cellar owner, now wants this child who's now post-bar mitzvah to go ahead and reimburse him for the wine which he drank as well as the damage which he did in the wine cellar. So the Shuz Yaakov is addressing this question, is there responsibility to pay, is there not? Um, so he goes ahead to save time. So he quotes the Ramah, quoting the Truma Sadashan, which said that it's a good idea to go ahead and pay. Um, okay, so we're going to pick it up. So the Shus Yaakov says, Uben Ar- um, Okay, so he says, He says, when it comes to sins, interpersonal sins, sins against another person as opposed to God, So the main way you secure atonement when you wronged another person is, if there's something to pay, you have to pay. And you have to be mafias. You have to appease the person, meaning you have to apologize. You have to get them to be willing to forgive you. So now he says, but even though that that's a good idea, says the Shavuos Yaakov, even if a person is going to take this step, which here the Shavuos Yaakov are, rather than saying tovlo, is saying he's putting it in so it's going to go ahead and address some heavenly uh, uh, issue, which you may have. But he says that doesn't mean that you have to pay for the entire windshield. This effort to do tshuva and to say vidui, even those who say that it's a nice thing to do, that doesn't obligate you to pay for the entire windshield. Kimavur b'marisham, like is evident from the Chuma Sadashan, v'chein mashma lashan haramasham, and the Ramah also uses similar terminology implying the same thing, which is, she'ikabal ezed davala do something in an effort to do tshuva. Doesn't say pay entirely, 
it says, do a token tshuva act. And therefore, being that there's no obligation, even according to this chumrah, that you want to go ahead and apologize as, a, as an adult and you want to make amends, you want to secure an apology. So he says, therefore you should pay a little and you should apologize. But he says, the one whose windshield was broken should not be cruel and refuse to, refuse to forgive the child unless the child pays for the windshield entirely. You shouldn't do that because the child doesn't really have to pay for it. All he has to do is get you to say, I forgive you. So if you accept a little bit uh, in, that, in that effort, a little bit of money, and be a little bit kind, you were also a child at some point that probably broke something. So be kind to that person and be forgiving. And don't be, so, don't be achzari, he uses the terminology. Don't be so cruel to refuse to forgive the child unless he pays in full. Ke'elu, and he says, takana because if some things, if, if they damage something really expensive, it'll be difficult for them to go ahead and pay for it. And they won't even apologize because it's going to be too costly for them to go ahead and take care of it. So you, by refusing to, uh, to uh, forgive, unless the person pays entirely, you, the damaged party, you become an impediment for this person to be able to get forgiveness. So don't be so cruel like that. In accordance with those who would like to fulfill their, their obligation. And then he says, um, okay, we don't have to read the, uh, the rest. Okay, so that is what they say. So we have this idea. We're going to summarize it uh, shortly. But those are the opinions which we've seen, that the, the opinion which we passed in like is that the child is going to be exempt for damaging the windshield, both as a child and even when he gets older. When he's an adult, it may be something it's told if he goes ahead and he goes to the damaged party, the car owner, and say, I'm sorry that there's a child that damaged your windshield. I'd like to give you a little bit of money so that you'll forgive me for, uh, for that childish act which I did. And hopefully the adult will go ahead and say, yeah, don't worry about it. It was a couple of years ago already. And I forgive you and I appreciate the gesture and all, and all is good. So that's all that you would need to do. Now, there is an interesting thing as we were, di- as we were discussing it. So an interesting thing, the person said, the person who called me said, but maybe the child shouldn't be responsible because he didn't mean it. It was an accident. He didn't mean to throw it at the windshield. He meant to throw it to his friend and he miscalculated. So being that it was a show gig, it was done inadvertently. So maybe he should be exempt. He shouldn't be responsible of anything in any way, shape or form because it was an accident. So my initial reaction to him was, what do you mean? We have a principle in Hilchos Nazikin in the laws of damage, damages, which says, Adam Muad Ola that when it comes to damaging somebody else's property, you're always considered to be pre-warned and there's no claim of, oh, I didn't realize or it was inadvertent or I didn't mean to do so. If you damage somebody else's property, you're always higher. Adam Ola means that you're always going to be warned. This is going to be uh, potentially damaging to somebody else's property and it's never an excuse. So that was my initial reaction. Then as I was thinking about it later, it it occurred to me, I said, wait, maybe this principle of Adam Olam presupposes that we're discussing an adult because an adult has das and therefore an adult with das should be able to think uh, forward a little bit and anticipate if I do this, it actually may break. If I start juggling around, you know, uh, 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 crystal goblets at the Shabbos table, it may be that I'll drop something and I'll end up breaking it. A child may not be able to think that far in advance. 
but we expect an adult to be able to think that far in advance. So when the glass does break and the adult says, oh, I didn't mean it, we say, well, what did you think was going to happen when you were juggling a bunch of uh, a, a bunch of crystals? Obviously, that was a potential that could happen. And don't tell me that it was inadvertent. You knew what you were doing. So maybe that's only true by an adult. Maybe by a child, that rule does not apply. And our whole discussion about whether the child should apologize once he becomes an adult may only hold true for damage which was inflicted intentionally. But if you add the additional factor of the fact that it was shogeg, that it was inadvertent, and we don't expect a child to be forward thinking like that, maybe he doesn't even have to apologize when he becomes an adult. And there's no hischaivus whatsoever. So fortunately, this is where I called my friend. <laughs> it was at this point I said, I'm calm. From what I know, now I need to go to the uh, to the experts. So I asked him about it, and within 15 minutes, he uh, he had tra- tracked down this article which he had sent to me. So this is it's from a sefer called Kovitz Mordechai David. I don't know what the the Kovitz is exactly, but here we are. It's not Simon Yud Beis; it's Os Yud Beis. This is section 12 of this particular essay. And he writes, he raises the same uncertainty. He says, "Umasha Levarahu." What we still need to clarify is. What's going to be the halacha in the event that the child causes damage inadvertently? Maybe we can argue that even the machmirim, those who say that a child does have to pay as an adult, which we don't paskin like, but he says maybe even those who say the child would have to pay as an adult, Maybe that's only true if the child intentionally caused that damage. He knew what he was doing. He took a baseball bat and he smashed the windshield, knowing perfectly well that that's what was going to happen. But maybe if the child did it inadvertently, so maybe everybody would say that the child is going to be entirely exempt. And then he goes through some analysis of the various sources. And then he says over here, his conclusion about this point is, so his tendency is to think that, that if the, the damage was inflicted by the child inadvertently, it's something which we would categorize as a shogeg, that there's no obligation to pay at all. That that's not going to be included in this rule of Adam Mu'ad Olam. Adam Mu'ad Olam is reserved for adults. They're considered to be pre-warned. But when it comes to a child, we would not say that the child is pre-warned. And it may very well be that everybody would say that the child has no liability whatsoever. Even those who are machmer would agree that in such a case, the child is going to be exempt from having to pay as an adult. And in this case, we would say they don't have to pay at all for the windshield. Okay. Now, last point before our summary. Now, here's the important point, addressing the issue of the fathers. So it says, So all the analysis in the first 12 sections of this essay have to do with the extent of the child's liability. When it comes to the parents, everybody agrees that the parents are under no technical obligation whatsoever to pay for the damage which their children went ahead and caused to somebody else's property. Now, keep in mind, being exempt doesn't mean that you're going to keep your friends. So if you want to keep friends or you want to keep uh, on good terms with your neighbors, you may decide that it's worthwhile and a wise thing to go ahead and pay anyways. Nobody would tell you you shouldn't go ahead and do that. But in terms of does anybody have the right to demand that the parents pay for the damage which their kids cause to somebody else's property? The halach is absolutely not. There is no obligation. There's no halachic mechanism at, uh, 
I should say under any circumstance. In nine out of 10 circumstances, there exists, there does not exist a halachic mechanism to force the parents to pay for the damage which their kids do. However, in the event that it's going to be easy for the parent to go ahead and pay and to apologize to the neighbor or to the damaged party, for the damage which was done, it's a nice idea to do. So this might even be even a step lower art than the tovlo. This I think is even a step lower than that, even though he uses this, this the author uses the same word. He says, because if we go like the Truma Sadashan, and we which the Ramah Paskins like, and we go like the Radvaz, that there's some schmutz which accumulates on the child's soul because he committed an Avera as a child. So it's a nice thing for the father to want to go ahead and take responsibility, take a chrayas for his son's neshama and to clear up the slate. So that's a nice parent thing to want to do is to make sure that their child doesn't go into their bar or bas mitzvah year with already an accumulation of eras which, which are there, which are not technically averas, but you know, bad, uh, bad, bad stains. Because uh, because the child may very well forget about what he did as a child when he was 10. And by the time he comes to bar mitzvah, it'll be just a distant memory. He won't even remember it. He'll never take care of it. So since there's a fear that it may be forgotten and never taken care of, so it's a, if it doesn't cost too much money and it's easy, go ahead and apologize to the neighbor, apologize to the owner of the car, offer to pay something for the windshield and be done with it. And he says, and our holy books also say, that when it comes to a blemish on the soul, it's a good idea to go ahead and take care of that, to repair and make that repair. Because the longer the blemish remains, the more difficult it's going to be to make the repair. So if you can make the repair right away, so a small crack is easier to repair than if you let the small crack sit for a while and becomes a big crack. Then you got to replace a whole, uh, you know, whole piece of drywall rather than just one little, uh, one little thing there. It's also a good idea, as we said, because this will assure that you remain on peaceful and good terms with your neighbor, and shalom is always a priority, and you should try and go ahead and, and secure that. But in terms of actual hischaivos, actual liability, so the halacha does not see a, uh, a liability that a parent has for the damage which is caused by his child. Okay, so now let's... Um, just go quickly through his summary over here. So he says, Das Mahari, that's a Shuma Sadashan, Viradvaz and the Radvaz, the Roy the Kabul of Kapara. That when the child is now post bar mitzvah, it's roi, it's appropriate or tovlo, it's a good thing to go ahead and accept to do something in an effort to repent and to secure uh, atonement. Guva Lalach Brahma or Achaim Simon Shimem Gimel and is brought that way, brought down in the Ramah. And the Pisgah Tshuva uh, citing the Shfus Yaakov explains, what that means is you're going to pay for the damages, but not all of the damages, not the entire cost of the, of the windshield, but it's enough to pay for a little bit of it. And you don't have to go ahead and pay the entire amount. Now, what's the reason why you should pay at least partially? For the damage which was done. So he says, Yesh base shitos. There's two reasons for this. 
Aleph is Habach. We didn't actually see that cited, but, it, but we saw ideas related to it. So he says, the Bach explains that Obviously, there's something bad which caused the person to commit this Avera uh, in the first place. And therefore, you want to go ahead and whatever bad that is, it's in a sense a type of Tuma. And you want to go ahead and do something to remove that Tuma. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a partial repair to go ahead and in an effort to uh, improve one's soul or improve one's character. So that's one reason why it's a good idea to apologize and to offer to pay something for the, uh, the damage which was done as a child. And then, and according to Chuma Sadeshin and the Radvaz, they write, the reason why you want to go ahead and do tshuva once you're already post bar mitzvah is just to break the habit of the sins which you were committing beforehand. And that way, that will uh, uh, position you better to make sure that you don't continue those sins even when you uh, continue as an adult. So those are the two reasons to do so. Seemingly, both of those reasons relate very specifically to the child. The child would seem to need to do that rather than the father paying for it, putting aside the shalom thing, but rather than the father paying for it, if the father pays for the child, for the windshield that the child broke and the child never addresses it, these two reasons of and these two explanations are not going to be fulfilled. So like the, uh, the Bach or the Chuma Sadashin or the Radvaz, so if the child doesn't do it personally, it's not going to accomplish what the Chuma Sadashin actually wants and why he says it's a good idea for the child to go ahead and pay for it, at least partially as an adult. So in that, in that perspective, it may, not, it may not accomplish what, what we're looking for, for the parent to go ahead and pay for the, uh, for the, uh, the damage which is inflicted by the child. Rabbi Shefran, he, can I ask I you said, about... Um, you keep... The last thing he says is, the cotton is in the event that the child goes out and does damage inadvertently, it's not clear whether the Truma Sadeshin's Chumrah that it's a good thing to go ahead and pay and apologize later on, that might not even apply in the first place if the damage was done bishogeg. So therefore, in this case, uh, you know, with the, uh, the, ch- the children who were playing catch and they, uh, they threw it and inadvertently broke somebody else's uh, uh, um, uh, windshield. So certainly the child doesn't have to pay as a child. We pass in that there's no obligation the child is going to have to pay even post-bar mitzvah. There's no obligation for the father to pay either when the child is a child or when the child is post-bar mitzvah. There may be a nice thing. There's a tov. There's a nice thing for the child uh, under other uh, circumstances to apologize and to try and appease the damaged party for the damage which was done. Whether it's necessary to do so when the damage was done bishogeg, so that, he says, we're not even certain whether even that is going to be necessary because it may very well be that if the damage was done in the first place, that you don't have to make any of those efforts to go ahead and do it, because we're not really afraid that the child is going to continue to do it, because he didn't even mean to do it in the first place anyways. So those were... Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.